You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! As is our want, we have interviewed plenty of different people, men and women. I don't think we've had any people who have signalled other than their biological men or women, but if they are, we'd be delighted to speak to them as well. But we have a biological male with us today, and uh, as is uh, a usual practice, we speak to a whole lot of diverse and lateral and interesting people on the planet, and I reckon you'll find this man interesting because uh, I don't know him, I've just met him before, but he has um, a reasonable uh, career in uh, something that we've never been involved with. He is a um, bank robber, uh, an ex-bank robber who has, I think, we'll find out if he's rehabilitated himself, Uh, but he's uh, an interesting person. We're not trying to um, um, make a hero out of people who have... um, been in jail or anything, but uh, the, everyone has a story to tell, and this man has um, he he now he now fights for reparations for people who are sexually abused in the penal system. Uh, that's one of his. He's a podcaster. He has a podcaster. Wait for this called Stick 'Em Up. The Stick Up. The stick up. I'm sorry. I, I, I'd looked. I tried to find the title, but it didn't say stick him up. But stick up. The stick up. Uh, it says he studied a. He studied, I think, in jail a, a university course. I don't know. It just said he was a, a student. He'd studied to try and rehabilitate himself. He's involved in uh, Australian boxing and um, he is an advocate now for people who have uh, got on the wrong track. And so we're very, uh, very pleased to welcome Russell Manser to You Cannot Be Serious. Russell, thank you very much. I know you're Sydney domiciled and you've come down here for a reason, not specifically for us, but you said you'd do this and we really appreciate it. No, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Big fan of your show and a big fan of uh, what you guys are doing here. So, yeah, thank you very much. It's an honour and a privilege to be here. Well, there's um, so many questions we could start to ask you and uh, they're all just uh, pretty Dorothy Dix questions about uh, your lifestyle. The first thing I'd ask you is, it's said that you got an adrenaline rush out of sticking people up in banks and robbing them or robbing them. Is there no other way you thought you might be able to get an adrenaline rush on the planet than doing that, Russell? Oh, look, you know, I've done skydiving and I think that's the closest (laughs) to it. But, you know, skydiving with people shooting at you when you're landing would be more sort of, would have been more so up my alley. Well, the possibility of being shot at when you... You know, I, I, look, it was a it was a thrill. I was like, there's no other. There's no other. And it's not for me, it was never about overpowering people or anything like that. It was about what happened when you come out of the bank. The possibility of getting your head blown off. You know, because when I was robbing banks, Roger Rogerson and that rogue cop yes. and the team were yep. running around killing people. Yep. And, and the reality was, and there was a real, realistic possibility that we were going to get shot, you know. And, um, and I loved it. There's got... Uh, Russell... There's got to be a chromosome, just something missing. 
out of your yeah. very intense and uh, overworked brain 100%. that says that when you step outside of a bank, uh, the thrill was not being shot by something. <laughs> <laughs> no one can wrap the I, no, people yeah. can't wrap their head around that, mate. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, a place called Mount Druitt. It's not the NDDF, but you can see it from there. And um, <laughs> and um, you know, and all our all the blokes from our area, like the heroes, were the return were bank robbers, and they were the ones that had the nice cars and the nice girls and the nice clothes and. They weren't the ones that were in the struggle, you know, of having to fucking be on, you know. Like, my parents took three years to pay off a Datsun 180B, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of that easy life, having what I want, not looking at price tags and, you know, not going down to the beach with a packed lunch, you know. I used to find that shit embarrassing. So, so you would be considered now a... a, a, a um a valuable member of society because you're doing something constructive. Mm. You're trying to uh, you probably you've turned your life around, yeah. I presume. But did you get a kick out of being considered a hero and a, a, a an A-lister by being a actual career criminal? Is that yeah. like, how how does that like, work, Sam? I was like where I grew up. If you're a bank robber, it was like you're being a return war hero. That's the you know blokes had pushed their daughter out. Go, Cheryl. That's the kind of guy you want to marry. You know what I mean? That's, but like, blokes would push their daughters on there because you're treated like a war hero because, one, you know, you're anti against the system, you know, anti, and, and at that time, you know, interest rates were like, <coughs> interest rates were like 20%. Everyone hated the banks and they still do. Um, the banks were the biggest robbers of all and it was just, it was what I was doing back then. And I'm not justifying what I know because, I, you know, with, with the benefit of hindsight, I now I realise what I've done to other people, I traumatised other people and that's, I think, that I'm not proud of, but when you're, you know, you, you like I think you know you're you're a young person. You, you don't really give a, you don't care what your parents say. You don't care what your parents think. You don't care what society thinks. Uh, incidentally, I was just going to get on to your parents. Uh, incidentally, there's uh, there's Shane here sitting here and Sue's over there. Yeah. So if you want to uh, jump in and ask uh, Russell anything, I, I was going to mention your parents. Now they seem to be. God-fearing people or, or pretty law-abiding people. 100%. Uh, do you have a relationship with them or still? No, or parents, did you? Or what yeah, happened? Yeah. My parents were immi- uh, 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 English immigrants. They come out, they were 10-pound palms, came out in 1965. I've got three brothers and a sister that were born of the pool, England, me and my brother born of the pool, Australia. And um, they were hard-working factory workers. I, from a young age, was, I was, you know, I was self-sufficient. I was cooking for myself at five years old because, you know, my parents... I'm not... They were just hard-working people. They weren't hands-on. It was like they weren't there because they were too, you know, they were working. I don't blame that. I don't. I know it's not an excuse for what I did, but they were in that struggle, man, that I didn't want to be in. They were busting their asses in factory jobs, and even to this day, I uh, think, earning earning an honest living, honest, Russell, on an earnest, yeah. honest living, Sam. And, <laughs> and that, I'll be honest with you, it didn't appeal to me. I just that, at that stage, things are a lot different today. I got I work sixteen hours a day these days, often seven days a week, but um, that didn't appeal to me. So we'll get onto the great things you're doing today, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. because you've you've turned your life around. Yeah. But at, at fifteen, uh, this is just what I read about yeah. it. At fifteen, you started stealing cars. Yeah. And uh, which is, I'm going to ask you how you steal a car. If I had to break into a car to have no idea how to steal a car. Yeah. You might tell us the technique in case yeah. I get caught short one day out of the football and I can't find a lift home. Uh, so when your parents found out that you were stealing cars at 15, did they take you aside and say, Russell, my dear boy, 
What in God's name? Or did, did yeah, they not know? Or did they not discipline you? Oh, what it was, Sam, was this, you know. Like, my, my dad was big on the good family name, you know. And I remember him being so pissed off with me and, and, and saying, you know, you're ruining this good family name. He said, we've come to Australia to, to have a great life and you're ruining our name. And um, um, I think it was like, – but I, I was like any 15-year-old kid. Man, I didn't listen. Mate, you've got to punch my face in ten times a day. I wasn't going to listen to you. With great respect, Russell, I don't think you were like any other 15-year-old kid. When I was 15, I wasn't out trying to steal cars, mate. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know how to. Yeah. But that was just the thing. I was like, in that area we grew up in, everyone knew how to do them. Even the people <laughs> who weren't crims. Everyone, you know, the car broke down. Oh, I just broke the steering column off the car and you could start a car. And I just, it was just one of those common things that everyone... Everyone in Mount Druitt knew how to start a car. So Mount Druitt, are the, are you still considered uh, in the hierarchy of things as a criminal. Is that something to aspire to or are people more realistic nowadays? I think, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a thing. Penrith Panthers are the rugby league team out there, right? Yeah. Things changed when Penrith Panthers started winning grand finals. Right. People learn how to win. Yep. People learned that there was other options. You could play football, you know. You could be part of a winning culture of a football mm. club. And I think it was a big turnaround. I think Penrith won their first grand final in 1992. And it changed the culture of that place yes. from criminals to sports people. Brilliant. It's amazing what happened mm. out there. Now today you've got Tai Tuavasa, Tyson Pedro, the mm. UFC fighters, lots of boxers, lots of rappers, um, you know, musicians that are coming out. So the culture of that place has significantly changed on the back of a football club winning a grand final. So is that the aspiration now, sports uh, or rapping? Or yeah, and, you know, UFC, boxing, whatever. There's options now other than crime. So you said, Russell, that uh, you, the guns that you pointed at people in banks weren't loaded? No. Um, and because it says you didn't want to scare people, you've got to be joking, haven't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> surely if uh, someone had a gun pointed at them, whether it was loaded or not, it would put the fear of Christ into them. 100%. How do you justify that statement? I, I, look, I, and I don't. I don't look, but the, I was just stating a fact that I had no intentions of ever shooting anyone. And I think there was a couple of cases where I did get challenged and I ran like, I can, mate, I, can, I, I was covering, back in them days, I could cover 10Ks in 40 minutes, you know. And... Um, you know, it was like one or two occasions where I did get challenged and I just took off. So, and, so uh, some of the people in the bank pushed back on your demands? No, no, just a couple of coppers turned up one time and, and I had to hit the frog and toe. And, um, uh, in the bank? Coming out, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. Coming out. But come out well, I, I seen them parked there and I've taken off and I've been able to outrun them. That would elevate the adrenaline rush? Uh, that would put into the shade jumping out of an aeroplane with a parachute, I reckon, mate? I think so. <laughs> is, is there much planning that goes into the bank robbery? Do you, what's the thought pattern mm. behind uh, before you actually go into there? Do you, do you this one looks whole... okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's yeah. an impromptu thing. You're driving along saying, Jesus, I could do with 60 grand. I'm going to yeah, stop that here. One, and that one looks okay. It looks pretty sharp. The one across the road might be a good goer. Did you ever come... case them out and swerk no, out? No, no, I don't know. Not, not mine. I was never that. I was never, never that. sophisticated. Like that. Is that because you were drug affected and just doing it out of necessity or because... Yeah, to a degree. It was like... It was like back then you could rob five banks a day. It's not like today, you can't do them at all. <laughs> you know, you so can, you were on drugs? That's another yeah, good yeah, question. Yeah. So well, you on drugs when you did this? A lot of the times, yeah. And what happened was... And that you gave you the moral courage to do it or not? Yeah, oh, not really? I don't know. It added to the adrenaline, I think. <laughs> that's, I don't know why to, I'm laughing. Yeah, it added <laughs> to the adrenaline, I think so. I was sort of major hypervigilant and... Um, 
you know, because it's funny, you know, I've done a podcast with Mark Burris a few months, oh, about a year ago, yeah. and, and, he, and he said to me, he goes, I've never seen someone who's got an awareness like you've got, like, you know, where everything is in his room. He said, I've just watched your scope, everything, and that's a prison reaction, right? Because I spent 23 years in prison. And it's like, when you're on the drugs and you're robbing that bank, you have got, a, you are hypervigilant, like, you I don't know, maybe on ice or whatever. I was never used to ice, but... But it's like this. It says you've used ice. Yeah, I will. You know, I've, I've tried ice, but I've tried ice, but it was never. It's not my. Never thing. addicted and, to and, it. No, just me and ice are just one way. What does ice make you do? It sends me to a psych ward. You know, it just it just just doesn't. My my DNA is not built for that sort of thing. I was more a heroin addict, but heroin. When I take heroin. He's, he's that thing, you know, like someone takes ice and, they, and it normalises them. When I took heroin, I'd, I'd clean things. I'd wash your car, I'd wash my neighbours' car. Come anal. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and mow the lawns and, and, and clean the house. And, and people are going, mate, are you sure you're not on, you know, speed or coke or something like that? Well, it was just how my body reacted to it. So, so did you take heroin did, you, did, when you, you were rubbing banks? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Did you need to take drugs in order to do that? Not necessarily. Not necessarily? But just, just made you less yeah. frightened or less... Yeah, I guess, yeah. It sort of slowed, slowed things down a bit too, you know what I mean? Like, you know, because I used to, like, taking guns off security guards. That was one of my... one of my, The way they'll rob a bank, if there was a security guard, and you had a three fifty seven Magnum, even better. Like, that thing, them things are cannons. And it was sort of a challenge. So the security guards out front of the bank, and normally the big muscly ones, that, that was sort of... The bigger, the better. It was like... Because I was like a 20-year-old kid, and... And I'd pull up with a street director and I'd say, and I'd have like a pistol in my hand, and I'd say, hey, mate, can you show me where the street is? And, you know, and I'd say, hey, mate, just put your hands up and, and take their gun off. And really? So mm. you would, you would, you had a, you, it was a hobby, stealing a Magnum 30. Mag, if, they, if you could get a Magnum, most of them were, unfortunately, they were little guns like um, Browning, mm. 32 Browning 7 shots, they are. Pea shooters, like pistol, next step up from a water pistol. Uh, uh, Derringer. <laughs> uh, what, what, but so what did you so say? You got the gun. was just a hobby. You're collecting yeah, guns. You, uh, you say you didn't have bullets in them when you... Yeah. What, what did you but do? Even when them? they found... Like, when the cop was done a raid and found my house, they found, like, four pistols that I'd taken off security guards in my roof cavity. And even then things were unloaded. I'd gotten rid of the bullets out of them. Ah, uh, it's, it's just... It's... it's, it's well, I want to say fantastic. I don't mean it's yeah. just extraordinary that. Uh, so you've spent Russell, twenty. You spent half your life in jail, mate. Twenty three. Uh, yeah. But then, how did he get caught? So obviously, if you did rob five banks, did you? Yeah, twelve all up. Twelve, oh, twelve. Twelve so up in total. I got my what, 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 so what, what, what haul did you? What was the? What was the I, gross I worked, amount of money you got? I worked it out. Back in say back in the be- the biggest one I ever got was one hundred and ten thousand out of Lane Cove Commonwealth, right? What year? Nineteen ninety. So it was like three hundred and sixty thousand now, right? Yep. So, um, and I worked it out. The amount of jail I've done, I was seven. It works out about seven and a half thousand a year. Would have been better off being on the dial. <laughs> would have made more You've money. You've done the maths. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> oh, Not yeah. the adrenaline rush. So what did you do with the money? I got robbed. Well, the co- when the cop was telling back then, as I said, it was Roger Rogers and his team. They just rob you. But I had nice things. I, I had nice cars, I had motorbikes and jewellery. And, and I remember when I got arrested, when I got arrested, like I remember being in jail. I'd done jail previously to that and the blokes in jail would say, these arm hold-up squad, they're gangsters. These coppers are gangsters. And he said, they're like nothing else. And the first thing they do is, where's your money? Where, where's the money? And I go, I've got no money. And they go, we know you've got money. 
we know you got money. Anyway, they're climbing through and they found 30,000 in my roof cavity and some guns and that sort of stuff. And There's the police. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're just, there's a fair degree of the coppers who are bent, just as bent oh, yeah. as the crooks. Oh, back then, and it came out in the Wood Royal Commission, that happened to be the case, and I think it's backed up by the Wood Royal Commission's finding in the police corruption. But um, and then, anyway, they sit and they're drinking my beers out of my fridge and they're trying my clothes on. They're <laughs> on an Armani suit and he goes, I'm going to get you 10 years in this. I'm going, <laughs> OK, thanks, that's nice. Yeah, thank you, I appreciate you. But just how just how that all went down was like blowing me away because I'd heard of this stuff how how bent these coppers were mm-hmm. to actually see them in formation. I'm going, man, you're you're all gangsters. And so so it's probably turned now from the money to drugs now. So the when they they, they spring a haul of drugs, um, mm-hmm. the, the police um, usually um, confiscate the drugs yeah, and yeah. on sell them. Uh, without a doubt, and it has to be. Well, they found them at the St Kilda Road Police Complex when they renovated that. It was in the roof cavity, <laughs> the so-called evidence. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what? But you know what? And honestly, say I was never dirty about that because I would have done the same if I was a cop. Mm-hmm. And people go, "Oh, you're dirty? Why?" I would have if I was a cop. And I arrested someone out a big whole heap of cash at that time. I, man, I would have been keeping it. You know, fringe benefits of the job. And that's just being honest. Like, so you were saying you'd average out to a seven and a half k a year when you did the mass, but you like wearing the fancy clothes and that. What, what would your advice be to people that aspire to or look on social media, think gangsters a cool right. thing? Man, it's, it's 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 all smoke and mirrors. It's I'll tell you what I've learned. What I've learned, an honest man's pillow is his peace of mind. It's a line out of a John Cougar Mellencamp song that resonates with me. You don't have to, when you work, no matter, like, I got out of jail this time. I got out, I, I just don't, I only done four years on my last one. But I got out and my goal was this. I was going to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week for two years straight and reassess. And if I would have worked at McDonald's, I would have been in front. I would have done, with that work ethic and that thing, I would have been in front. I actually worked 16 hours a day, seven but, days a week for two years and one day but off. But Russell, it's un, you, can't, you can't say that. You well, can say that, but it's unrealistic to say that because you thought it was just an easy snatch, a grab for money. Yeah. You didn't want to do what your mum and dad did and yeah. work uh, in a factory. You didn't want to work McDonald's nine to five. Yeah. You wanted just to take the easy way out yeah. by uh, ter- trauma- traumatising people. Yeah. And, and I know you, you've regret all this and you've turned yeah. your life around and uh, that's fantastic, but you, it's... You say it's not worth it. Well, it, well you, you 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 weigh up whether it is worth it to live that great lifestyle and then have to pay for it by spending half your life in jail. I just can't yeah. comprehend how. But you someone know what, Sam? This that. is this. It's like this: that you're, that's a fifty-year-old mind is different than a 50, 15 year old yeah. mind. Yep. And you know, and through experience, in retrospect, you know, you realise that could have been a, a lot different, and you realise. That thought pattern as a 15-year-old was convoluted. You know, it was crazy and yeah. it was poison because those blokes that were living that lifestyle back then, they weren't telling us about... The downside. The, yeah. the, the downside, you know. <laughs> yeah. they'd, the they'd, ramifications. Yeah. And the ramifications and, you know, and, and the prison system and, and in particularly what happens to your family. Like, you know, man, I'm real, like, like rootable guilt of, like, you know, my mother going to visit me at Long Bay Prison and being terrorised by some... 19-year-old prison officer with a bad attitude and even worse breath. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, just doing that to people because she was supporting... My mum caught a train from Liverpool and Sydney to... That's guilt by association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And I I feel bad about that. You know what I mean? I feel... You know, and actually, right now I'm in contact with 
I'm, I'm talk, I've been talking to one of the tellers that was in a bank that I robbed, you know, and him and I talk on a regular basis and um, about, and I need to hear that. I need to. See, I didn't know about what trauma was. But that's about your needs. What about their needs? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his needs. His needs. Like what I've done to him and the realisation of what I've done to him, you know, and, and it's so good to be able to do that. It's so good to be able to... See, I don't know about trauma. I started doing trauma... Julia Gillard, the best Prime Minister this country's ever, ever had, brought in the Royal Commission Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse. She had the balls to take on the pedophiles. She had the balls... Them fucking rats at an LMP party, them fucking, them fucking pedo-supporting party, were totally against that, right? So she brought it in, and, and I got to tell my story, because while I was sexually abused, I went to a boy's home. Yeah, now, I was going to get... We yeah. haven't quite gone into that, but uh, you preempted that, so um, you were sexually yeah, abused sex- in uh, prison? No, as no. As a 17-year-old? Seven, yeah, in, it started before then. I went to a, a place called Derrick Boy's Home, which was the subject of a 60-minute story, and it was prolific sexual and physical abuse there. It was government-sanctioned. And it was one of those places where we sexually abuse them and um, teach them a lesson, you know. And that's what, that's what the crux of that place was. So when you say you were sexually abused, what does that mean? Were you was raped rape, over and raped yeah. up the yeah, yeah, up the jets bottom? Yeah, 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 yeah all uh, of that. You had to... Perform... perform forced oral perform oral sex on... Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, it's just... So when, when, the, when the people did that to you, raped you... Well, well, they're they're bigger criminals than (laughs) the people in there. So I know it's an occupational hazard if you're in jail and you're a felon and you're a crook and you're getting upended by other crooks who are pedophiles. How 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 did you cope with that? What what did you feel like after you'd been violated and and they walked out and they were happy and they'd shot them, you know, they'd Mm. got the load off their chest... What 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 did you feel? What what did you well, I was, I was, I mentally created a void in me that I, I just didn't understand. It was like this: there was an emptiness, there was a sadness, and there was a real, it was a real darkness, which I know now was trauma, right? And so depression, yeah, depression. And, and and you know, I was always one of those kids. I've always looked after. My, I had an older brother that was in the army, and I've always been a kid that was always physical. I always liked keeping fit and everything like that. I never, I, I never smoked pot. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. And I started smoking pot. I started smoking pot as a way just to numb all of them because, man, them, them nightmares are real, man. Them nightmares uh, are... From the sexual abuse. Yeah, yep. them nightmares. Because it happens at a night time. So you're laying in these dormitories and they had a pedophile ring operating out of that out of that boy's home because people that were sexually abusing kids didn't work there. So they were bringing them in, say they bring, and, and then they were, they were picking kids out, take them out of their beds, and it was an ablutions box, which was just a shower block, and taking kids in. And this happened all night long. So, you know. That's, that's, that's exactly like. That's, you ever heard of a bloke called Jimmy Savile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a uh, yeah, entertainer was, in, a, yeah, yeah. In, in, Ameri- in, in England. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he said he was a charity worker and went to the prisons. He was a pedophile, and mm-hmm. he, Jimmy Savile, they made him a. And they was Sir Jimmy. Jimmy the, it, yeah. He gave me an idea, and they yeah. suddenly found out who he was. And yeah. uh, they wiped him like a dirty ass after that. Uh, well, he, they absolutely did, and he died, and he yeah, was discredited, right, so. and bit, I don't know. But, but you know what, Sam? People think, and uh, as people put it to me, and people go like, "I do post on social media," and they go, "Well, why didn't you learn your lesson? You were sexually abused." Mate, pedophiles don't rehabilitate kids. You don't give a pedophile a kid and say, "Oh, punish him." Imagine that. 
Imagine that. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a crazy precedent to set to sort of say, but what it does do you, when that happens to you, you've got anger in you and hate. Like, I never experienced hate after that. I, I, I never had hate in me. I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't imagine. I was always a kid that bounced out of bed. I was pretty happy sort of a kid. I was never, but I had hate in me after that, like, for the system. Like, oh, man, I wanted to do some really bad shit after that. I wanted to kill people. And, um, and um, you know, whilst I was in that Derrick Boys home, I'd done an apprenticeship, like... Um, how to steal Porsches. You know? I know you're a Porsche fan, Sam, so mate, yeah, we're not going to no, steal yours. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yours is safe. I'd <laughs> like you to tell me how you steal a Porsche. Well, well the Porsche is one of the easiest cars to steal, right? And there's a thing. So, anyway, these kids give you, like, <laughs> where I was from, I was from the Western suburbs, it's sort of like being in a country town. And these kids from the inner city, they were just at such advanced crooks, they could steal any. And, you know, they were doing arm robbery. They were robbing banks at 15 years old. They were breaking into sports stores, stealing 930 twin turbo Porsches and, and just revving the guts out of them out front of cop shops and, and encouraging the coppers to come out and chase them, you know. Like a, a 930 twin turbo, as you know, Sam, is still, in, today, in today's terms, one of the quickest cars ever. So I, I, I know we keep uh, chuckling because these stories are amusing. I don't want people to think we're uh, no. making light. I don't want people to think we're making light of this. It's a very serious thing that you did, but uh, so the way you explain it, it is quite humorous. But we're not uh, laughing at what you did. We're laughing at the way. So, do you think there's enough vigilance? Because there's all these conspiracy theories about politicians having um, pedophile rings and captains of industry going to uh, clubs and uh, do you think there's enough vigilance you said julia gillard was the best uh, prime minister because she uh, did, did she do you think people are investigating the amount of pedophilia that is involved in the high the, the, the top end of uh, society i think it stops stops just before there i think there's just too much power and i think it stops just before before that happens and um the Royal Commission Institutional Responses. My partner was a barrister. My partner was a barrister attached to I your wife. My, no partner. She's a she's a barrister. Oh, you had a couple of kids. No, no, no. I've got oh, a couple no, of kids, but oh, sorry, I thought my you partner meant. is, is um, she's a criminal barrister. In oh, in your business. Yeah, oh, no, no, she doesn't. No, my, no, no. My my partner, my girlfriend. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is not the lucky. person you had the children with. <laughs> no, no, another no, one. No, oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But anyway, so she's um. She worked alongside the Royal Commission in a service called No More. And, um, and, and they, so they were doing all the private sessions about people being abused and she had a really good insight into how far that Royal Commission went and she said it stopped at a certain spot where it started to... Because there was a former uh, New South Wales Premier that had the finger pointed at him from every single direction and there was just too many people. One people said you do it, you mightn't have done it. Two people said you did it. You may have three, but when you've got about 30 or 40 people nominating this certain person, there's a fair chance he's a pedophile. Mm. And, and they didn't want to go there. They, didn't, they were telling people... Was he charged? Never charged. So we can't mention his name? No, you can't charge no, yep. him. I, 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 like my, I, I, I like my home. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually... No, I think I know who you're talking about. But, so th- this is... You said it just stops at the, before it gets to the highest level. Is mm. this well known, is it? Yeah, it is. Well, so look at that. But look at, even, at, even at the Woodrow Commission, look what they've done. They unearthed the Supreme Court judge, Justice John Yeldon, right? They unearthed him. And what happened with him? He was going to the toilets and abusing children. And what the coppers did, they created a dossier on him and they held it against him. So these coppers were saying, it's OK for you to be a pedophile judge, but when we put someone before you, we want him out on bail... 
you're going to give them bail or we put someone before you and we want them hammered. We want you to hammer them. So the coppers held this over, this Justice Yordan. So what happened? Justice Yordan got called behind before the Royal Commission. That was well known he was a pedophile. Well known he was a pedophile. Everyone knew, the politicians, the coppers, everyone knew he was a pedophile, but they let him get away with it because what? they had a dossier on him. What? what, what? Why why do they let him get away with it? Because they could hold things over him. Like he could, they could control it. They could control a narrative. They could get him to do whatever they want. You know, that was the coppers. That was Rogerson and his team. Yeah. But that was that. That was like, how moral is that? Like you, like there's there's got to be a cutoff point, right? Yeah. You mentioned you got two children from yeah. a previous marriage. I'm a father also, and my single biggest concern is them turning to drugs or, God forbid, were ever yeah. abused sexually. I don't yeah. know how I'd react to that. It's so or being a bank robber. <laughs> no, that I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but um, how do you as a father, knowing that these things exist, is that amplified, those concerns oh, and worries in you? 100%. And, you know, unfortunately for me, for my, with my kids... My oldest son thinks he went for a stage, he thought he was two-pack. My youngest one, I will know that DNA test because he's just too responsible. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, he comes home, Dad, I'm 20 years old, I want to buy a home. And I go, oh, fuck, I don't think you're my son. <laughs> and um, we joke about it, but there's no doubt he is. But um, my, I'll tell you a story about my young, my oldest son. So I was down here in Melbourne and I get this video you know, video on fucking Messenger and here's my young bloke and, and, and his mate, they've got this bloke in a headlock punching him in the face in the back of the car and they said, Dad, this bloke's a fucking pedophile. And they were bashing him, right? So the... Anyway, I said, fucking, I wish you didn't send that to me. You've just incriminated me in something. And anyway... Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, the bloke got out of the car and they got charged for kidnapping and torturing a pedophile, right? So as a father, I can't be dirty on that. Mm. I mm. wish you wouldn't have videoed it. <laughs> and I wish you wouldn't have sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. But I can't be dirty on that, right? No. So he does the boys. I mean, people haven't goes at me. They go, oh, aren't you dis- disturbed about your son? I said, if it was any other crime, if he would have stole someone, I would have been upset. But the fact that he doesn't have to be a pedophile, I can't be upset. Yeah. So yeah. you see, that sort of trying to the they're sort of trying to legitimise pedophilia in the States. Do you know they call yeah. the certain groups now, they don't call them pedophiles. They say that's politically Ch- incorrect. They're minor, minor yeah. attracted people. Oh, they're, they're minor attracted people. And they, they say this is just pedophilia, given another name to legitimise it. What chance you got if, if that's the mindset of that's people crazy. in... The most developed country in the world. They're trying to... America, the most fucked up country in the world. But this normalisation, how they try to normalise and slide this stuff in, you know, into us. And um, I, um, you know, I'll tell you something that in prison. People got people think, oh, pedophiles go to jail and get bashed. Bullshit. Pedophiles go to jail and get protected at all costs. They've got their own jail in Ararat. Yeah. The, and I say this, this most single... Those jails like that, there's another jail in Queensland called Walston. There's 900 pedophiles associate on a daily basis together. And I'll tell you something, bank robbers, we talk about bank robberies. Drug smugglers talk about drug smugglers. And they do the same, right? So if we had 900 bikies in one jail, there would be an uproar. Oh, we've got to separate them. They're too dangerous. They're conspiring. They're going to get out and they're going to do this and they're going to sell drugs and they're going to do this. Why ain't them sort of jails being disbanded? Mm. Like, that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was accused of trying to kill a pedophile in, one jail, in a jail once. I had nothing to do, do with it. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't touch him. And um, 
he had a toupee, this guy, and, and when they found him, the toupee was covered in blood on the ground and they're saying, they've scalped him, the mongrels have scalped him, <laughs> and, um, which was quite funny. But the, funny, the thing about that is they had a 17-man task force and they were offering deals to blokes to tell on us. Me and a bloke mm. called Chris Miller who had become a bikey down here. And um, they had a 17... And, and, and all, well, they called me up and they go, last deal. And they said, we know Chris Miller done this. They said, we're offering you a deal. And I said, what's the deal? And they said, we're going to take you down to Kmart this afternoon. We're going to buy a new set of clothes. <laughs> and we're going to put you on the train home with two years to go left. And they said, what do you think of that deal? I said, you lost me at Kmart. And <laughs> 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 uh, hey, you did a fitness course when you were in jail. Yeah. You come out and you tried to get yourself back on track. You yeah. were a gym instructor. You got married, had the kids. Yeah. And you actually got your shit together for a while there. And yeah. But then what happened? Because that was your yeah. chance. You, you, you said, you know, I'd rather you eventually come to the realisation that you'd rather work in Maccas and fucking yeah. put the hours in. What happened at that point in your life to drag you back into crime? What it was is, look, I want to just shout out the Professor Paul Haslam who I'd done my fitness leaders course with. I still train with him today. Uh, I train with him every Wednesday. Um, um, fitness has always been a big part of my life. It's been a big part of how I do do I, 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 subconsciously I've, I've used it as a, a coping mechanism my whole well, life. you said fitness or training is your best form of antidepressant oh, 110 percent so but what happened what happened with this whole process was until I dealt with this sexual abuse stuff because there's a second part of my sexual abuse I, 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 this is where the Porsche th- th- thing comes in so I stole a Porsche I went before a judge and the judge he said, I'm going to send you and stipulated, you're going to go to an adult prison to teach you. I call him Judge Nostradamus, but he got it wrong. He said, I'm going to sentence you to 12 months and, and stipulated to be sent to an adult prison. This is when you were a minor. Yeah, when I was 16, yep. 17. And he said, um, to teach you, uh, to deter you from future reoffending. So they sent me to the Central Industrial Prison at Long Bay Prison, which um, the one wing protection wing that housed the worst degenerates in the country at the time, the, the worst of the worst. Like, in, in the case of the bloke who sexually abused me, he was a negrophiliac. So they put me, in, put me in, in, around people like that. Now, they put me in that wing uh, for my own protection. Now, in the rest of that jail, Mount Druitt, where I'm from, about a third of the prison population is from Mount Druitt. I guess it's equivalent to your broad meadows, right? Mm-hmm. So they put me in that prison. Now, they could have put me in a mainstream prison. It would have been blokes that would have put me in a cell. I would have been safe. Mm. You know, bro- friends, brothers or uncles or whatever. This is this whole thing, right? So they put me sexually abused there. I was introduced to heroin. That was when I got my first shot of heroin. You know, the negative... Wasn't that, wasn't that after you got raped? He gave you yeah, that yeah, as yeah. a contra? So what happened was he, he, he... No, this is what he'd done. He'd give me the shot of heroin with this... This fucking, this syringe, man, when you, you've got to send it, it was a nail, it was a plunger, like a piece of thong cut out. I was like, man, it looked dangerous. But he said, mate, you're just going to do this. It's gonna, and, and he said, you'll shut your mouth after it. Anyway, heroin made me spew, and I was sitting out on my knees at the toilet, vomiting in the toilet. He sexually, he raped me, this bloke, Jeff, uh, anyway. And then... Um, <laughs> what, you're sitting kid, in the toilet? And I, was, I was on my knee, like I was bent over yeah. at the toilet, vomiting... And this is when he... And he, and he uh, you said it was a... This the man who was a necrophiliac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff wants Hardy. To, wants to Jeff Hardy fuck fuck dead people. Yeah, yeah. Now, they, had, they had children around this bloke, right? These rats. They had children around, like... I wasn't the only one there. There was about ten of us there from the boys' homes at Long Bay Prison. 
But they were there for, like, because the boys' names couldn't keep them, they were escaping, they were riotous behaviour and bashing. I, mean, I had a minimal criminal history. I got sentenced to prison because the judge stipulated, he said, how dare a boy from the western suburbs come to an affluent area and steal a car? It was a class crime. I didn't think it was a crime to be from the western suburbs of Sydney. I, 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 man, I've read, I read the law. It doesn't say it is. So if you think, uh, not you, but people are unfairly treated by you going to an... Uh, what is the solution to this? You, you've got to lock... The still saying You've got to lock people up who break yeah, the law, don't 100%, you? 100%. 100%. Look, back then, I, I, I think, you know, they had boys' homes that could have sent me to. Mm. There was, um, the, in Sydney, there was a boys' home called Mount Penangles from 16 to 21. You can go there from 16 to 21. I, I, I would have been better off, better off going. But, but, you know, even up there, there was sexual abuse happening. You know, I, I, I get called in to do I just want to go back, Shane, and answer your question about that, that question because it's a really good question. People say to me this all the time. So I got out in 1998 after serving eight years. You know, I was eight years clean. Mm. I was eight years clean, um, clean and so I had a drink or a drug in eight years. And there's, it's, it's, there's drugs are flooded, jails are full of drugs. So, but I, I just made a decision. You know, I wanted more because um, you know, because how how it all came about was I escaped. I ended up in the Northern Territory, robbed the bank up there, and I um, after I, eight years. I, I, I was. I, I, this is what no. This is what happened. So, in 1990, I escaped from. I went to court, punched them with the coppers, got away, got pinched for robbing a bank up in Darwin. But explain how you got away with the toothbrush fashioned yeah, into yeah. a tree. What happened was, um, <laughs> what happened was, you know, I um, I did, I, I just had enough. I didn't want to be a a, a, a prisoner anymore. And um, oh, really, yeah, really? I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. Yeah. And um, I decided to escape. So I trained, and we had this old SAS bloke in there, and I said. Mate, we want to escape. And he, and I, and he goes, all right. So Another he, prisoner. Yeah, he was yep. an ex-SAS soldier. So he just gives these training drills like firemen drills and carrying people. Mm -hmm. And So he came up with this, this thing. He said, I've got a trick for you. And I said, <laughs> what is it? He said, grab a handful of salt and walk up to someone. And salt? It, yeah, and throw it in their eyes unexpectedly. Mm. So I'm walking along and this bloke's walking towards me. Like, some salt in his eyes. Is that before you got the handcuffs yeah, off? Yeah, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the trick we learnt, right? So, anyway, so, and and and, and, I was, and then I grabbed the bloke, I hugged him, I said, "Man, I'm just training for something." I said, "Sorry, <laughs> these are And he said, "Oh, that's no, all right." And, and he would have later realised what I'd done. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, he's warming up on me." And <laughs> um, and everyone like will help you. And everyone said, so everyone knew I was going to have a crack at escaping, right? Mm. And everyone just knew that was everyone wanted the help. All right, everyone's. There's no like, laggers. No, 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 because. Like, my area is pretty tight, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, so we got a handcuff key. Everyone made handcuff keys back then. <laughs> you can make them out of dustpans, right? Mm -hmm. So you went for a truck ride. You, they all put handcuffs on you. So as soon as you get in, they would pull a handcuff out their mouth and take the handcuffs off and hang them up. <laughs> when the, va the van's pulling up, they put, oh, you better put them back on. You know? <laughs> so anyway, so they had a handcuff key, went to court. As I jumped off the van, I went bang, threw the salt in the copper's eyes. He's dark, like he didn't realise if it was bleach or acid yeah, or whatever. Right. It allowed me to go, put one on him. Yeah, but you're also using the handcuffs as brass nuts. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's no good. Not a good idea. Yeah. A good way to break your hand. And I had the handcuffs, I cracked him one. The flushest right hand I've ever hit anyone in my life. I couldn't replicate it ever again. The universe was on my side. And um, anyway, we ran away. And we meant to have a car park somewhere. And, and anyway, I'm jumping a couple of fences. And this bloke painted his house, spoke perfect English. Right, he's and he had an old Datsun 240K out there with every club lock, 
kill switch knowing the mankind and I said is that your car and he goes and I've got handcuffs hanging off me and I said just in a bit of trouble need, need your car for a bit and he goes yeah, yeah right he spoke perfect English that night he's on the news with an interpreter so and going they punched me they kicked me never laid a hand on him never laid they punched me they kicked me I was in fear of my life not sure if he had a gun or not we had no gun anyway so um, went back I went to Mount Druitt and like back then, there's people harbour you, right? So everyone was, it's the first door I knocked on, oh, geez, you took your time getting here. We've got the beds made, <laughs> got a feed, we're going to cook you a roast. And my mates from that area going, fuck, how good is this? And I said, I need a kit. And, and a kit that's some balaclavas and guns and stuff like that. And, and, and I, I think what a dent puller, what you steal cars with. And um, within an hour, once, knock on the door. Full kit. Bang. And went back and robbed the bank that I was on remand for. Um, <laughs> The National Australia Bank at Tarramona. Little Vietnamese security guy, God love him. He seen me coming <laughs> towards him and he goes, and he looked at me and goes, oh, not again. Oh. <laughs> I said, you know the drill, mate. And I'm talking to him. My mate goes over the counter and he goes, I'm going to lose my job. I said, mate, I'll give you a reference. <laughs> and he's going, what? I said, mate, it was all right. And it was Christmas time. <coughs> it was 12th of December, 1990. It was Christmas time. So I got his gun up in 32 Brown and as I was walking out, I went, yeah, and he went, what? I said, yeah, mate, Merry Christmas. Oh, you lose your job and fucking give me his gun back. And he's looking at the gun and my mate's going, what the fuck are you doing? And I just hit it. He didn't try shooting. He was in the Christmas spirit. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, and that's what, and then we escaped, and then we went up in the Northern Territory. We got pinched for a bank up there. But what happened to me in the Northern Territory was I spent nine months in a black hole, basically. Ah, yeah. I want to speak about this. Go yeah. on. So it's basically... I was in this fucking cell. I was like, you know, you got like a greyhound run. You got in, as a kennel with a little yep. exercise yard. And it, was, it was similar to that. But anyway, so I was in dark. I had, I had nothing. You know, they used to want to take my mattress off me at six o'clock in the morning. I just told them to keep it, and mm. I'd sleep on a concrete floor. So I spent nine months in darkness, in but solitary confinement. So, I just solitary wanted confinement. To ask you but under it. the Geneva Convention, you're allowed one hour daylight. Yeah, yeah. I got it, but. <laughs> And then and, and they used to turn the hot water, you got a shower, right? So they turned the water so they turn it on boiling hot. So I just basically never showered for nine months. But I had a bird bath for nine months, you know. Because they just wanted to be pricks. But what happened there, them rednecks up there, they like to punch on. So one day they turn up and I see them, they got the broom underneath the camera, pushing it up to the mm-hmm. sky, and I went, Oh, here we go. <laughs> so I turned up and um there's a really good screw up there called Alan Tunney, he's an ex pro boxer, ex kickboxer, and he said, mate. The boys want to know you want to punch on one-on-one. And I said, I'm there with fucking bells on. I need yeah. some entertainment, you know, because yeah. I mean? that was the entertainment I got. And I was going really good there for a while. And then they went away and trained for me. Uh. And then they went away and trained. He does this, he steps here, he does that. And it's like they had Johnny Lewis in there. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> so, Russell, tell me. So, it says you suffered from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. I would reckon that would be exacerbated by, tell me what it is like to be put into a solitary confinement room and locked up for 23 hours a day. If you got claustrophobic, how do you... How oh, best thing that ever happened to me. What? Best thing that ever happened to me. Loved we, it. Loved every minute of it. Like, not for... The, took me about a month, but I adjusted to it and I loved it. It was just like meditating for nine months. But you know, how, how big is the room? Oh, it's about as big as your toilet, the average toilet. So maybe... No, maybe your laundry. Say your laundry. So... It's got a bed, yeah. a concrete slab in it, a toilet, and a little hand basin. But light? I, yeah, but hey, no light. They, they control the light, so the light's flicked off. <laughs> but if they really want to fuck with you, they'll leave the light on. Mm. 
food and they just shovel, put the food in through like a door, a door, there's a flap on the door, they can open the, the food flap. for, for want 23 of a hours term. a day for nine months. <laughs> you thought that was pretty co- pretty good. I know, you know, you know what I thought? I, this is what I thought. I really got to sit with myself. Like, that, that, like I really thought I dealt with that trauma, but I, I was unpacking shit there that I didn't know how to unpack. Like, I should have, if I would have done, if I would have been. It would have been different. Look, I, I just adjusted to it. I adjusted that them, them fucking cocksuckers. Anyway, they couldn't fucking dictate terms to me. It's the one like, thing you got control over yeah, in your own mind. They had never thought of embracing the Lord or uh, no, becoming no, a born again? Thing, no, no, as soon as I read that Old Testament, I just thought that looks a bit evil to me, you know. <laughs> but you must admit that uh, most people that get put in that situation don't handle it well. Yeah, yeah. I just use it like a yoga, like a big room, because it was so hot. But see, this, this is where you're an exception to the rule because, number one, you've done 23 years at jail. Very few people in terms of rates of recidity get out of that cycle. Yeah. Number two, you're a heroin addict. $1,500 a day at one stage. Very few people are able to break that habit. Mm. What is it you think that you're able to enjoy solitary confinement, drop heroin, um, get out of the recidity cycle of going back to jail and actually do something with your life? What, what's different about you? I always knew in my whole life that I was, I was built for more. Like my parents used to say to me, get a job in a factory and if you do really well, you'll you know, become the leading hand. And I went, fuck that, I'm going to own the factory and the one down the road. And they'd go, oh, mate, you're a dreamer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I was doing from a young age, I think is called putting it out to the universe now, you know what I mean? I think you go on retreats to do what I was doing when I was, you know, when I was a kid. Like, you know, I always knew I was going to want more and be more. So, Russell, are you likely to... Um Likely to lapse again. More chance of being kicked to death by a sparrow. So you could say that this life of um, doing all this is finished. You're not likely to rob a bank again in the future. Oh, no, man. Hey? No, there's not a cent in a bank. I wouldn't rob a bank. But the fact of the matter is... What about jewellery or knocking nah. over? No, I just... Man, that, them days are definitely over, you know. I, I, I know... You know that? Yeah. I, I, drugs? Are you nah. still on drugs? No. Nah. No. Tell you one of the best things I've done. I've done like a... I've done this thing. Like there was always a battle with drugs with me. Like I, I was 12 years clean and sober and I started drinking and, um, and it led me back to drug use, right? But I've done this MDMA thing with a shaman thing and I'll tell you what, it's taken some... It took that euphoric recall out of me. I haven't had a, a drug fought for a long time since I've done this treatment. Do you think drug addicts can be cured or they're just in remission? And I think well, I think what science has proven that they can be cured. I think they can be cured. You know, I haven't had a drug fought for years now. Trav, someone offered you and said, "Come out, and we've got a good party going on. There's some good people involved in it. Yeah. We have a good night and there's entertainment." Yeah. And uh, brought out the Bolivian booger sugar. You wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be <laughs> no, tempted. No, 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 not at all. Because you know what, I'm a. I, I, I just love early mornings for one. I'm an early, I'm up at five o'clock every morning. I train. I'm in the gym by six o'clock every morning. I just love that. I love clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. No, there's no drug in the world can. Re- uh, there's nothing there that appeals to me. I love my clarity. I love, you know, I just love being clear. You, you mentioned earlier you had a hole in your heart from what happened in yeah. your earlier a days. Void, it's a void. A void. Yeah. Yeah. I had a void. Yeah. Do Do, do you feel now that do you feel you've found your purpose in doing yeah. the work that you do? And is that is that void now gone? Or For sure. I've done so much work. I've done a lot of unpacking. And you know what? People talk about, you know, a remorse, right? 
you can't be you can't be remorseful unless you remorse is an action, right? Remorse is oh fucking I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry what I've done to you what I've done, you know. And I learned about empathy and compassion and and what the, the trauma cycle about my own self, and then I realised what I've done to other people, and then I can have genuine remorse. Then I can't. So that a part of that whole process of like you, we're, we're getting back to that question you originally asked. You know, I had my life together and I went back to it, man, because that stuff was undealt with. Right. I was going to say, yeah, being the sexually abused as a kid probably started a lot of your problems growing up, mm. and then obviously you didn't deal with it mm. properly, and for some reason, and you dealt with it in the uh, in solitary confinement. Mm. I was watching a great show called Ray Donovan now, mm. which is very simple, very similar to your story. So they they're still in later life, have the trauma still attached to them and take it out on their relationships or to yeah, other things. Yeah. Do you still have that now or do you think you've dealt with it No, I've got an fully? awareness. I, I, I have an awareness of projection, right? If I'm acting, if I'm, if I'm fucking, I, I'm aware of what, how I talk to people and I, I'll ask myself, am I projecting some shit on these people that they don't deserve? And we've got a real big awareness of that. Like, you know, it's like haters, right? And you get that, right? These haters. And I, I don't take them personal. I'm just saying they're just projecting. He's calling me a dickhead. He's looking in the mirror and seeing a dickhead. He's just projecting how he feels mm. onto me. So you got compensated for... Do you think you deserve to be compensated? 100% I did. 100% I did. You deserve to be compensated 100%. for this sexual abuse? You, yep. Because yeah. I should have never been put in that position and in particular mm. they should never have been thrown into a pedophile ring because they were making money out of it obviously they're running a pedophile ring out of a boy's own they were, they were making a 100% I and who compensated you the government yeah the government and what did they do what do you just can you, what did they give you for I can't, I can't, no, you I've can't got say a non-disclosure that. Agreement, yeah no fair but, enough but I will but I'll tell you what I work with Slater and Gordon and they robbed me blind so that was another <laughs> raping um, yeah. You know what I mean? So is compensation really, it doesn't matter what the monetary figure is, is that just more a way of um, being validated mm. in terms of the wrong that's been done to you or does it actually help in the healing process? Well, it allowed me, for me, <coughs> I spent over, I reckon I spent half of what I did in treatment after it, whether right. it be rehab, um, really good counselling, psychiatrists, psychologists. I, I, was gonna, I always put a, a part of that aside to create, to do that. So, Russell, I, I, I'd like to put you to the test. That's my car out there yeah. and it's locked. Uh, <laughs> if, I, if, I could, if I could time you, how long would it take you to go out there and get into it and start it? Well, I'll be honest with you, Sam. I'm not up to date with that. I've really made it. I've, you, my, I've, got, I've got a C63. So I think I've got more chance of doing that. But <laughs> it's my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah, um, oh, yeah. But I think it, with these sorts of things today, what they can do, they, they can, they, what they've got now... Forget about it. But no, no, no. It's, it's even easier than it's yeah, ever been. Serious? Yeah, serious? Yeah, it's the even, right. even... They've got these things and they're like a, 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 an old uh, house aerial mm -hmm. and they'll just run it over it and it'll pick up a signal and it'll open it. Yeah. But then what about all the tracking and the no, immobilisers? So that's you get down the road, they ch turn your car off. Yeah, well, yeah. Russell. I haven't, I haven't had a cracker still in the car for a long time. <laughs> now, Russell, it's... Uh, you give me an SLR 5000, Sam, I'll steal it in 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> give me a 930, give me a Porsche. I'll, I'll give me a Porsche. I'll, a Porsche will be the easiest car to steal of them all. I'll take, I'll take out <laughs> the back here, see if you can steal this car out here, I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Now, Russell, yeah. uh, we're, we're not glorifying what you did, yeah. but we really appreciate you coming in. It's a, Thank you. It's a really interesting... I love this forum, how you guys do this. I really enjoy this. It's so good. No, nah, mate, we, we are genuinely interested in the people we speak to. We don't try and... Um, and I was, it's, uh, it's fantastic for you to do this, and um, we wish you well. I don't know, as I say, if you're a recidivist or it's going to um, uh, rebound on you, but... You know, I've been out the longest I've ever been out now. I've been out six... I just broke my record. So my record before is six years, one month. I've just hit... I'm, I'm out about six and a half years now. That's brilliant. And don't even look like... No, that's, I do have one more question for you. Like, uh, given that you, you uh, have been through this process and you obviously have empathy now, not only for your victims but for other people that have been through similar trauma process, given your work involves talking to people that have been through trauma and facilitating their compensation and mm. their, their movement forward, does that empathy drain you given that um, – did you relive your own trauma every time you speak to a victim and – I, I, there's a bloke called Professor Ian Coyle. He's one of the leading trauma specialists in Australia. He done a report on me, and he said Russell Mance would be one of the. Un- there's only two people he's ever come across that he, who he believes that I grow from what I do with these people. He goes, he goes, you've just got. I've got something that's just unexplainable when I deal with people. And, and I don't. I had. I done one trauma report. I, I, so I do. I was doing interviews. I was interviewing people about their trauma, right? And there was one that rocked me a bit. It was my mate, and he's doing a life sentence in John and Queensland, so I interview him over the phone, and I, rock, and I said to my business partner, that one fucking did hit me a little bit. But other than that, it's about disassociation, right? It's about you can't, you can't carry it, and there's, there's a way to do that. Well, now, look. Russell Mansup, yep. yes. uh, thank you. Uh, Sam and Newman. and, and uh, we have it's mm. called um, not stick 'em up. It's called um, the stick the up. Stick up. The, the stick up. up. <laughs> uh, podcast. Uh, that would be an interesting podcast to listen to. As I've said before, really appreciate you coming on to You Cannot Be Serious. Uh, it's a fascinating chat and uh, people will get out of it what they want to. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Righto. I appreciate you guys. Right, here we go.